were there were eleven thousand seven hundred Olympians in Tokyo. Uh, I I didn't realize there were there were that many, but eleven thousand seven hundred. Uh, there were you know some in their teens. There were actually four in their sixties, but two thirds of the Olympians were in their twenties. That's kind of like the you know the prime. Uh, I looked at the the top charts for music this last week. And uh, there are, uh, I, I don't want to share all of them, but I just looked at the top five, and I thought it was interesting, the ages of, uh, of these people, or these groups. The first, number one was um, BTS. It's a seven-member boy band from South Korea. Um, for, for those of you over 30, maybe even 20, um, it's like the Backstreet Boys, you know, except today. Um, but uh, uh, the oldest member is 28 years old. They're all in their 20s. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo is number two, she's 18. Uh, Doja Cat, number three, 25. Uh, the Kid Leroy is 17. And oh, here's the old one, um, Taylor Swift. I thought she just graduated high school like last year, but she's 31. Yeah, that's the top five. I was uh, on Facebook, I think this morning, and, and saw a Lincoln Police Department um, advertisement. Uh, they're hiring. I'm not looking to be a police officer. I would be a terrible cop. But, um, but anyway, um, I noticed the, the age, though. The oldest applicants they're taking, 35. I'm, I'm 35. That's, that's the oldest. That's the old person of the group, right? Our, our, youth, our youth will pass. Um, it, it happens quickly, and the older you get, the older or the more I think people say, "Man, it goes by fast." Terry, an author, Terry Pratchett said, "Inside every old person is a young person wondering what happened." Doesn't it, I mean, you start to feel things that you didn't feel. I'm only 35. I know there are a lot of people that are uh, older than me, but man, just even thinking of how I felt when I was 30 and 25 and 20, it it just multiplies like every year. I think past like 25, it just like, it, it just uh, multiplies how quickly it drops, you know, like 18 to 25 physically, and then all of a sudden it's like 26, 27, you know, and then you're done. But, uh, but life, it feels like in our culture and the world around us that life is a young person's game. I mean, just looking, watching the Olympics, they're all young. Looking at the celebrities, the musicians, the actors that come in, and I mean, I don't, you know, all these new movies, and, and these people are stars, but we didn't know who they were three years ago. You know, they, they were in junior high, but that's just how it happens. It goes so fast. Even, even the church volunteers, I looked up on the stage uh, to see, and, and the only two old people up here was my wife and Tracy, and everyone else was young. <laughs> I thought you all were still back there. <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> but aging is so... Um, it's such a big part of life. I mean, it, it happens, you know, to all of us. If you're, if you're living, you're aging. But I, I wondered, why, was, why is it such a big part of life? I mean, why does it have to happen the way it does? And, uh, and I came across the passage in 2 Corinthians 4, and just a couple verses here. Verse 16, it says this. Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. We look at aging as, as decaying, dying, the, the, you know, wasting away, which is true. Yet he says we are being renewed 
day by day. And that's the part I think that it's, it's hard to focus on that. I think we miss that part. We can easily see the wasting away part. I mean, if, if you're aging, you know, you feel things, we see things, we just, this is so obvious. But this renewal, what is that? What is that? And how do, how do we make it happen? Or how does it happen to us? Well, I gave Colin my notes uh, for my sermon this morning, and, uh, but, you know, just early on, so he could, he always plans around this really well, and uh, we try to work together on that. Well, he, he sent me this video, and it's about six minutes, and I wanted to put it at somewhere, uh, you know, in the service, but then I thought, this is, this is so important. So we're actually going to watch a six-minute video, and then I'm going to come up here and just talk for another 45 minutes or so, and then <laughs> go ahead and play the video. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning, where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together, perfectly no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world, and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted... God out, and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin 
when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. All right. All right. I really love that, uh, that story. Because not only is it a big part of uh, the verses we're doing here today or looking at, but it's the whole gospel. I mean, it's the, it's the good news. It's uh, how we separated from God and how we'll be brought back together and what that means right now. And so today we're looking at what it means right now. And we're looking at, looking at it through the lens of, of aging, of, of growing up. Um, so you, you saw the different circles there. The green was heaven. That was the circle for heaven. And then the pink was for earth. And then the, the union of the two that overlapped, that was the purple. And so I'm going to talk about those colors a little bit through the rest of the scripture. See, Paul says in verse 17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now he's talking about light and momentary troubles, and, and this is the, the, the things that happen 
um, in, the, in the pink circle, the things that happen here and now. And, and the problem that I, when I read this, I just think, well, light and momentary troubles, these are the hard things. They sure don't feel light, and sometimes they feel like they last forever. Right? It doesn't always feel like these are small things. But Paul, the, the, the guy who said this, the guy who wrote this, he also went through a lot of troubles that he called light and momentary, but uh, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, uh, he was abandoned, he was, uh, he, he was uh, almost stoned to death. Like they thought they had killed him. Um, and, and these were the light and momentary troubles. The, the thing about this, though, is all these troubles are in the pink circle. Now there's the pink and the green. The green we think of as just the future. So what about this purple area? Do, do troubles come from the purple area? Sure, Paul lived in the purple area. He was, he was sharing the gospel and starting churches, and it wasn't always easy. So what's this union uh, so important for, and, and how, do we, how do we get to it? He says in verse 18, so we fix our eyes not what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Fix our eyes on what is unseen. Focus on the green. Now, the truth is we will live in the pink, all of us. We, we all live in the pink. You wake up, you know, we have to provide, we have to survive, well, we have to uh, uh, build relationships. We do things that are good, we do things that are fun. We will live in the pink. People who uh, are not a part of, uh, uh, of the church, someone who, you know, maybe an atheist or um, just anyone lives in the pink. Every single person's in the pink. But not every single person knows about the green circle. And therefore, many people don't live in that little purple overlap that comes through Jesus. To live in the, in the union, we, we simply have to think about the green, probably more than we do right now. It's in this purple that, uh, that we don't just look to the, the pink life, the life of pain and aging, and we think that our, our prime or our glory days, or our best years are gone. Don't, don't we live that way? We, we grow up, we, you know, we, we think, okay, you're, you're a kid, and then you work up, and you go through high school, and then maybe you go to college, you get your job, and you start your family, and at some point, there's this turn, um, and, and, and then it's just downhill from there. I, I think often that's, that's how life's portrayed. Work really hard to get to where you want, and then you hold on to that as long as you can. I mean, you, you work up, and you get that job, you get that career, you get the relationships, you get the family, and you try to your best to, to hold on before the downhill starts. That's life. And then at some point, it's going to start, and once it does, there's no going back, and then we're going to die. And then we fly over from the pink to the green, and, you know, just kind of, how long, how long are we going to wait? I mean, at what point do we think we're done with the prime of our lives, and then just wait, wait until we fly over to the green. We can't live that way. If we live that way, we've lost and everyone around us has lost. That purple will not happen. If you're just in the pink and just waiting to get to the green, if you're just living on, on this earth, just waiting until heaven comes, until you die and you go to heaven, and then we've all lost. 
because there will not be any purple. And that purple is not just for you. That's the, the union between heaven and earth that Jesus told us we are supposed to take and make those, those little circles up there, those little pieces of heaven. That's our job now. But if we're not thinking about the green, we don't live in the purple, and we don't take the purple to anyone else, and this world is just all pink. And you saw what that was. A lot of pain and brokenness. When we finally let go of what this world values, when we stop looking at what the, the pink values and we start to look at what Jesus valued, we look at what, what, what matters in the green life, then we start to win. Then we start making a difference. Then we start bringing the green to the pink and there's more purple, which is a good thing here. I know at church camp, no purple, but that's different. Uh, blue and red used to make pink. Now it's green and, wait, purple. Green and, do green and pink actually make purple? I don't know if that is, is accurate or not. I don't think so. Anyway, it's probably like blue, but yeah. Thank you. I should have started over. I'm, I'm going to remake that video with appropriate colors. So, okay, so we know what the goal is now, I think, from, from verses 16 to 18 when Paul tells us there's this renewal, and if you want this renewal, then we just, we need to start thinking about eternity. So we get to that point. So how do we do it? And that's what we're going to look at now. Very simply, just found three, three ideas that I think help us to move from that, from different places in the Bible. The first, number one, is follow Jesus. I know it's simple. We're in a church. We should be saying this. But Jesus actually told his disciples very clearly. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, that's the pink life, and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever holds on to the pink, and that's all you care about is just trying to live in this life, as long as you can have the best life and then just yeah, forget about later. We'll deal with that when it comes. You try to hold on to that, you lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, again, the temporary, the pink circle, yet lose or forfeit their very self? See, what, he, what he's saying here is, is if you live for the pink, you don't get the green. If all you care about is the pink, the green's nothing. God's nothing. Jesus is nothing to us. But if you live for the green, if we fix our eyes on Jesus and we look to him, then we get the green and then the pink becomes purple, and the purple is so much better than the pink. It would be nice if the pink were just completely gone, if it was just green and purple. That's how we get there. We don't live in the pink circle, and then, you know, things, uh, things are going well, and maybe I'm, it's, I'm in my prime of my life, and everything's perfect, and then I lost my job. Oh, I need help. Then I look to that green circle, and I say, God, I know I haven't, I haven't lived for you, but I need help right now. Or we live in our pink life and things are great and someone dies. And we say, God, why'd you do this? I need, you, I need you to do something for me here. We can't live that way. If we want to live in that green circle, we need to start thinking about it now. Not just when we want something from God. It doesn't work that way. Green has to be our top priority. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Number two, don't look back. I, I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago. We were in line at a theme park, and uh, and I was standing there talking with this with this guy because the line's long, and and we had a long conversation. And he, I don't know how it got brought up, but he said, "Well, how old are you?" I said, "I'm I'm 35," and I I can't believe his response. He said, "Oh, what I would give to be 35 again." Now, 
How old do you think someone will be to say that? 41. So you were just 35 like two weeks ago. I, I would expect that from someone who's a little bit older. But this man was looking back six years and saying, what I would give to be 35 again. Like it's just, a, it was a completely different life. The good old days, um, we, we just, we can live in that area, that place, and it's so dangerous. I think when you're, when you're, you know, 10, you can look back and say, I wish I was five again. We didn't have homework, you know. I mean, it's, it's just so easy to look back, but it's so dangerous. We see midlife crises. We see depression. And it's a waste of everything that got us to this point in our lives. It's living in the pink and thinking, oh, downhill. But that's, that's not where we're at. No, what if, what if it was different? What if instead of saying you live your life and it's uphill up to a certain point and then, and then you're in it and then you go downhill? But what if, what if this renewal means that, no, instead you go up and you keep going up and you keep going up and it keeps getting better? I know it doesn't feel that way at times, but what if there was a way to, to have that renewal? It's going gonna, it's gonna to take work. Like I said, the pink world is natural. The green is not. We call it supernatural. That's where our citizenship is. See, Paul, instead of saying, always look back, he says, listen to who you're becoming. In Ephesians 2, he says something to a different group of people that's very similar because it must matter. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of, the, of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in whom the holy building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. In 1 Peter 2, as you come to him, the living stone, which is Jesus, who is Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, he says, are living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You look at yourselves and you think you're wasting away, you're dying, you're just decaying, it's just all downhill. But what he says is instead, think about who you're becoming, a stone that is part of the temple where God is wanting to dwell, to be with you. The thing is, we have a choice. Yeah, you can live in that life of just wasting away. We can definitely live in the pink circle. It is a choice. You have a choice to, to choose to think about the green circle, eternity, heaven, Jesus, a different, a different life, bringing that to us. It is a choice. Third thing that we do, don't hold on to things so much in the pink circle. This is, this is hard. But Jesus made it very clear. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. We've had a, a few um, cases of theft in, in our area over the last couple months. We had a vehicle was stolen out of a driveway. Um, a boat motor was taken off the boat in someone else's driveway. I mean, like, we've had some around here, and, and I think, man, that's, that's terrible. I'm, I'm glad that no one was hurt, you know, but, but still, it really bothers me when someone just takes something. But it also was a, a reminder. 
Now, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, one of those things that was stolen was a, was a boat motor um, that I sold to someone that used to be my grandpa's, and, and uh, it really meant something, but I didn't want it to go to waste, so I thought, if someone has it who will use it, that's better anyway. And then it was stolen, and it was like, that kind of hurts a little bit. It's going to all be gone anyway. Not justifying theft, but it was a reminder that at some point, Every single thing we have, every vehicle, every, every toy, uh, every possession that we have, we're not going to have it at some point. Just a reminder. And so we live, for, we live in thanks for the good of things in the past. We can live for that. We can have memories. It's not bad to, to look back and, and to, to smile. You know, those, those memories are good. We live with hope in the future. And then we live in the present. And enjoy each blessing that we have, but we have to keep it in mind that that green is far more important than the pink. Aging can lead to many issues. It can lead to anxiety and fear and grief and confusion. But life with Jesus offers hope to all those things. It offers comfort. And it's a reminder that life is so much more about gaining than losing this is the mentality that, that it's going to continue to be given to us, to pour into us, uh, whether it's commercials or, or ads or uh, anything that we hear is all about, you know, being young and, look, uh, and, and getting uh, looking young. I mean, the stuff that we spend just to try to hold on a little bit longer because we think, man, this pink life is all there is, and, and once it's gone, it's gone. Well, that's true. Once it's gone, it's gone, but it's not all there is. So we have to know that life is more about gaining than losing. D.A. Carson said, I'm not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't fix. He said that that is incredibly good news for us all. Imagine a body with no sickness, disease, fragility, limping, no aches, allergies, no physical or mental impairments. But Paul said our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. He says this bodily transformation, the redemption of our bodies, is the great triumph of the gospel and the hope in which we are saved. We age now for sure, but it's in the comfort knowing that as every day passes, the redemption is even closer. And so as you grow old, you have a choice. You have a choice in which circle you want to live in. And it comes down to the question of, of aging. As we, as we die, just ask yourself this. Am I getting closer to death or am I getting closer to life? Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you so much uh, for every, every story, every word of the Bible as it helps us. Uh, through this life. I thank you that we have hope of, the, of eternity, of the green circle, of, of heaven, of being with you, of things being perfect. I, I pray that you would give us all um, a reminder, a constant reminder, uh, energy, uh, focus, and discipline uh, to, to remember uh, who you are and what you've done, what is to come, so that we can share the good news, we can we can be your disciples, we can share this hope, and we can help others live this life of not a decay, but of a renewal, a renewal, um, a refreshment of, of moving closer to you. 
God, I thank you for Jesus, um, and, and it's only because of him uh, that we're here. And so we thank you for that sacrifice, and I thank you for the re resurrection, that we know we can trust you. And it's his name we pray.